Steve Land. Steve Land. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's where we are today, I guess. Uh, do your own research. Sure. Yeah. Stevie Wonder's real name? How is it pronounced? I don't know. Yeah, Steve Land. Steve. This is for you. <laughs> yeah, man. Lebronto. Steve Land. Yeah. It's all, it's all the same. It's all related. Names. We're talking, yeah, we're talking about uh, Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life. So let's check it out. Intro tracks for days. So I maybe this is slightly <laughs> helpful. Uh, you you do the intro tracks. Thank you, man. Super hard work. Uh, I just hear for the them. record before before you go any further. Uh-huh. Uh, I love doing them. I'm not committing to doing them for every <laughs> single episode that we ever do. Um, just just so people are aware, I love doing them. They're a blast, but can't commit to like every yeah. single. Not gonna time. do five hundred of these. Uh, I j- I hear them for the first time during while we're while we're uh, uh, you know sitting down to record yeah. this, so they're always a, a little treat for me. Yeah, dude, a little treat. Tried to think of all the Stevie things I could put into one intro track, and <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in there. You did, yeah, I think you you got pretty close. <laughs> all right, uh, so let's talk about context for um, this album, "Songs in the Key of Life." Uh, so, man, this. It's uh I don't know if you did much much research on this but did not the the like leading up to Songs in the Key of Life weirdly similar to Marvin Gaye the first album we did mm-hmm. the only difference I would say is that Stevie was massively successful prior to this one was top 3 artists in the world at that time yeah had had his biggest hits three albums in a row that were Grammy winners like back to back to back, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then pulled some straight like Michael Jordan stuff where he was like, you know, I'm thinking about retiring. I think maybe I'll like move to Africa and help. Yeah, I, I help did, disabled children. I read and, a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I read a little bit of that and do that kind of stuff. It's kind of over it. No joke. Legitimately, there was a farewell tour planned mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that he was going to say, "I'm done with music. I'm going to do some other stuff," and then changed his mind. And signed just a whopping, insane contract. So I, I remember the numbers. Do you remember the number? Or you have you have them? Thirty-seven million but, for like seven albums or something. I don't have it with inflation. So I think I think so the, the number something. that I saw, yeah, it was like yeah. I I guess I don't remember the exact, but it'd be like over. It's like two hundred twenty million dollars today, or yeah. Something. So like, he signed like, a contract back in the day when musicians made a bunch of money. He signed a contract. Um, for thirty-seven million in seventy-five or seventy-four or something like that, uh, for thirty-seven million to do, I think it was seven I albums. Think, yeah, I think seven. I think that's by right. today's standard in twenty twenty-three, that's about two hundred million dollars. Um, so, like again, I, just I, a, I, I, total coincidence, but basketball numbers. It's like those are like NBA player mm-hmm. numbers. You know what I mean? So the reason the reason I compare it to to Jordan is because the 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 little time in between where he was saying maybe I'll stop playing and then he came back and said uh, this is probably my best album that I've ever done 
Yeah, you know yeah, mean? yeah. Had right. just three massive hits of albums plus the stuff prior to that, and then said, "Well, this is." I mean, I, I think a lot of people would argue this is his like best overall album. You know that, I mean? It seemed like a lot of the criticism that I saw, like most people were like, "This is the one." Mm-hmm. It's not that. The, I mean, the other ones. Like his three prior one album of the year at the Grammys, it's not like they were bad, but most people seem to be like, this is the one. Little, the Grammy story to me, I think it was... Paul Simon. Was it Paul Simon? Okay, For so sure. go ahead. So go ahead. I, I was, thank you, I was going to um, say Neil Young. So yeah, so you. Paul Simon, so those those three albums prior were so big. <laughs> and also, um, if you look it up, you can find YouTube videos of all this stuff. Stevie Wonder has a like uh, a known presence at the Grammys where he likes to perform, he likes to be there, he likes to be involved, hmm. uh, he likes to present awards, stuff like that. So he's done it for years and years and years and years, um, played with all kinds of people. Uh, the one I, I legitimately remember was um, my wife is a big Daft Punk fan. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I really like Daft Punk too. And the year that Random Access Memories came out, they played the Grammys and Stevie Wonder played with them. Like he wasn't hmm. even on that album, but he played with them. So... Stuff like that, he's like always involved. Anyway, long story short, he had won all of these awards for the previous three albums. Paul Simon won for Still Crazy After All These Years, uh, the year in between. The the off year, like yeah. the, the, where, where, where he was, was like maybe shutting it down. He didn't release any music. And his acceptance speech basically concluded and said, I'd like to thank Stevie Wonder for not releasing an album this year so that I could win one. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like that's a real thing. Uh, but it, it was it was just known it was known that he he was a massive massive artist, almost took some time off, came back, uh, put out this album. Uh, the record took a long long time to make, so mm. long that the record label um, uh, released sh- uh, oh, t yeah. shirts yeah. that said "We're almost finished" or "We're almost done" or something. Pre pre merch. Yeah. Pre pre release <laughs> like like so much hype that they but there, like, there's you can you can look it up there's a famous picture of stevie wonder I, the only one i found was black and white and it, it's just him in a t-shirt that says we're almost finished um uh so then when the album came out it was a double album so there's two vinyl records um and then there's also a bonus seven inch that has four extra songs so mm-hmm. The album is 21, 21 tracks. Is that I right? think all of them, right? That yeah. includes the e- the EP, yeah, r- yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The the the. I think twenty one's right. Seventeen on the two discs. I think there and four. are ten. Uh, like the first first one record would have ten, mm-hmm. so that means the second record in the double would have seven, seven, right? Is yeah. that right? Uh, and then uh, and then the bonus EP or whatever you call that uh-huh. is um, four four extra songs. So. Uh, from my understanding, the bonus was kind of semi-included because the album took so long, and uh, maybe wasn't originally planned or whatever. But it was like, hey, yeah, thanks, thanks, you guys. So, uh, yeah, I think that's most of the context. Uh, I don't know if I said this yet. Nineteen seventy-six. Oh, when this okay. Nineteen seventy-six. Okay. So when uh, I always like a little bit connected. Uh, when when did uh, Joni Mitchell's Blue come out? Do you remember? Was it uh, was it seventy-six? You don't. Have, you don't have uh, to, like, give me a sec. Up, I'll look but, it up. I'm I'm always just trying to think about like where we are in uh, uh, 71, 71. Oh, okay, so this was a little. However, bit, so we're, just, we're just sort of progressing through time. Kind of. Uh, obviously, the Beach Boys was er, 60s. Yeah. Uh, but then I want to check before I throw out this number. Marvin. The Gaye, Marvin yeah, Gaye album yeah. uh, was earlier than this. It came out in 71 as well. There okay. You go. Okay. Okay. So uh, one thing we're gonna do different this time. Just a little little tiny, not even segment, just a little thing. Just to kind of, if you don't know us, um, just to kind of give you some perspective on our experience with this artist mm. oh, yeah. prior. Great idea. 
we're going to have a little, little fan rating system of where you fell prior to this album, prior to listening to this album this past week. Yeah. Right? So not just, you know, your first experience with this album ever, just prior to last week. Where did you fall? Yeah. Uh, so basically think of it like this. There are uh, one through five. One is you're kind of a total noob and you don't really know anything from this artist. Two would be a casual fan, which means you know the hits, you know, mm-hmm. like big songs mm-hmm. that they had. Uh, three, I like to call a hipster fan because uh, <laughs> <laughs> three is when you know the hits and you probably know a little bit more, which you can name one random cut, which generally leads people to, <laughs> to believe that you're a massive fan and you know so much about the artist, but you maybe only actually know two extra songs that people don't know. Uh, four would be like dedicated fan. Um, probably at this point, listen to like multiple entire albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and five would be a hardcore fan, like you know most of their entire discography. Yeah, right. So personally, for me, I would probably with Stevie Wonder in general, I would probably fall into a four, mostly just because I've listened like those three albums prior mm-hmm. to this and mm-hmm. Songs in the Key of Life. I've listened to all those multiple times. There are cuts that Stevie has that aren't super hits that I really like. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. I wouldn't call myself a five because some of the later stuff, like um, I just called to say I love you, like songs like Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that era of Stevie Wonder, I'm not as knowledgeable about. Yeah. But this kind of 70s era and prior and even the 60s stuff, uh, I'm pretty into. So I would probably be a four. Where would you fall on that? So, yeah, thank you. I mean, like the explaining kind of helps me out here. I'm for sure, uh, or you or was, probably a two. Um, Like, I feel like Stevie Wonder, a little bit of what you already explained, like is such a massive, uh, like iconic artist. It's like if you're kind of interested in music at all, you're going to know like it's not like this record came up for us to listen to, and I was like, "Oh, I haven't really heard of that guy." Like, like, right, like, right. I mean, as a player or whatever, it's like there are songs that you're somewhat gonna know. Superstition, isn't she lovely, Sir Duke? It's like I had heard those before and think they're awesome, but that's about, like, that's about it. I'm not actually sure. It's like a maybe, but but I'm not actually sure that I had sat down and like listened through a Stevie Wonder album before this. I'm pretty stuck at it too. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm a Sweet. two. I'm a, I'm a two, man. You're two and a half. So probably your wife would be a yeah. So four my or five. wife. I would say we talked about that a little bit before, yeah. but yeah. So my wife would probably probably a four. Um, uh, like growing up, her dad still her dad like just loves Stevie Wonder, loves it. So she would say like a lot of times. Uh, you know, just around the house, like just hanging out. It's like there'd be a Stevie Wonder record on. Right. They would go to. Uh, so this is kind of cool. This I, I will, uh, I guess, share this one. I forgot about this. So uh, where my wife is originally from, there is like a little club uh, in town that is like a little jazz club that uh, supposedly you got to take it up with her. Leave it. Leave a line for her in the comments if you uh, aren't into <laughs> in this. the Spotify but, uh, comments. Just hit us up. Uh, it was like a little club where like. In like the early days of his career, like Duke Ellington played there. Okay. Ella Fitzgerald sang there. What's um, it called? Do you it's remember? called the Blue Room. Yeah. It's called yeah. the Blue Room. Uh, so her and her dad would go there sometimes, like just to see who was up or whatever. And she said every time they went, like when they would get close, her dad would start playing Sir Duke in like 
honor of like we're gonna go to this place where like literally Duke Ellington used mm, to perform. Nice, uh, nice. So there you go. So so yeah, wherever that wherever you think that puts my wife on the scale, but a uh, lot yeah. lot cooler than two. Uh, definitely. Yeah. A four, I was gonna say more, probably more Stevie so. Wonder in yeah, your house yeah. than what you grew up. Pro, with. Pro, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So let's get into it here. Um, let's start with some opening thoughts on this giant, enormous record. <laughs> so many. Thoughts. Uh, I will start by saying, Go ahead, man. Yeah. Uh, number one, just to preface this, the last couple albums we kind of mentioned at the end of the last podcast were nice, concise listens. Like the albums themselves were about thirty-five minutes or so, uh, and I could listen to them, you know, five to ten times all the way through. Um, like for those ones, a lot of times I walk to work and it's about mm-hmm. 20, 25 mm-hmm. minute walk. So I could listen to a lot of the album on my way there and finish it on my way home. This one is an hour and 45 minutes. So I probably made it through the whole album three times. Really? But like the, like I probably only listened to the last four tracks three times. Okay. I would have listened to the first like 10 to 12 songs a bunch. Mm-hmm. And then the like getting through the end was like it's just so long. It's hard to get through a lot of tracks. Yeah, you know, I like the last couple albums. I felt like I was so familiar with every single track. Mm-hmm. This one, like I like the the last four, I I had to make an effort yesterday to listen to them an extra time because I was thinking, man, I I can you know go through the track list and kind of say, okay, that's this song and that's this song. The last four were just, oh, I don't really remember how that song sounds like. You know what I mean? Nice. So, yeah. So I made it through. Um, I think this album's amazing. I think it is really diverse. Uh, there's a lot of different sounding songs on here. I think what catches me about Stevie Wonder, probably what draws me to his music, is the groove. Sure. And nothing but the groove. Just, sure. Just... Uh, there's something about the way he's playing. Uh, Stevie Wonder plays um, piano. That's the thing he's probably no- most known for. He plays harmonica. And the thing that people usually don't realize is that he plays drums. So there's for sure some percussion on this album that was played by him. Um, on earlier albums, for sure, I'm almost, again, don't quote me on this, but I, I could swear he played drums on Superstition, which Got is, it. that's such an interesting thing because Superstition like is kind of swung, but in a really bizarre way. I was gonna say that it is sort of like the lore of like who played this, how did they yeah. play it, and it like maybe it was just Stevie himself. But it's or funny because you can watch you can watch videos of him playing drums, and he's a good drummer. It's not like oh he's you know not as good as this other guy. He's very solid, very tight, so very rhythmic in in just the way he plays things. Um, and I think that that lends itself to the songs that he's writing. Sure, at this time they're just so groovy and. Uh, tight and together and um yeah um that's that's i think what draws me the most um what what first first thoughts very first impressions so uh because of what you said uh at the at the end of the last uh episode just there's a lot of songs on this record i had like an appointment right after we taped the last one okay. and so like literally you know like five minutes after we were done i was in my car and like hit play on it. I was like, oh, I'm never going to get through this record if yep. I don't start listening right now. And uh, dude, the 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 opening thoughts don't necessarily have to be like the first track or whatever, but uh, from going to the stripped down 
uh, we're not going to redo the Joni Mitchell episode, but like just what that record is and the things we talked about immediately feel like I hit play and in like four seconds of songs in the key of life, it was like, oh, wow, this is very different. Uh, so, so my, my first, <laughs> our first, our first uh, like, uh, our first four albums here, one to the next are, <laughs> they've been very, I mean, it's not as different as you can get, but it's, it's pretty close. The, the diversity. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of musical diversity, but so, uh, the first track on this record just comes in with those like harmonies. There's mm. this sort of like vocal, like, and immediately it was like, oh, wow. So I'm just sort of blown away by the first impression is like, there is so much happening musically on like almost every one of these songs, uh, which I think that we'll probably, you know, you, you'll, we'll probably get to that a little bit, but, but that was my like first takes like, dude, there are again, the first like four seconds, there are more, like uh uh like simultaneous simultaneous tracks happening than like anything that i would have heard before like absolutely like, like so many tracks vocals key, like so many tracks and and the other thing that hit me uh this is more sort of your you know your department here is 76 uh but it feels like or or it felt like to me kind of a big jump i guess from pet sounds being tracked to this record was probably like like over a decade later i guess but uh even just in my like crappy little car uh speakers um it was like this record sounds good there's like a production sort of quality that's like oh this not like hi-fi not like this wild uh like yeah it's funny like 2000s like crystal clear thing yeah. but it's like this sounds really good it's weird because you mentioned it. it's not hi-fi yet it's not the hi-fi like, like that crystal like what like, we think like, of as hi-fi. Yeah. But it's definitely very clear in the high end. So you hear all of the real like jingly uh tambourines and like, hi-hats yeah. and stuff like really well. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, so recording stuff now I don't honestly know a ton about it. What I do know is that 24 tracks were a thing now. Uh, okay. last time we talked about this was in, uh, Pet Sounds and that was 16 track and that was in 65. Okay. Um, so they had 24 tracks now. Actually, I'm pretty sure you'd have to, again, you have to look this up, but I'm pretty sure Sir Duke was tracked on a 16 and then the studio that he, that Stevie was working on, I think it was Crystal Sound. I know it was in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Um, they uh, had just gotten a 24 track and we'll talk about this in a minute, but Stevie was so particular. He said, well, let's run all those channels through the 24 track and we'll compare. So they like reran those tapes through the 24 track to compare which sounded better. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, like kind of a, you know, a new thing at the time that was technology based was like you, you, a lot of studios were moving to 24 tracks. So okay. you know, could have 24 yeah. um, mixed down to your, your stereo mix. Yeah. But those are th the thoughts for me. Like immediately it's like, dude, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of like, a lot of tracks to hear. Yes. Uh, and like this sounds, I think of the ones we've listened to, like in a production sense, this is easily like the coolest, like, like most modern sounding kind sure. of, kind of album to me. Yeah, uh, let's. So let's. You touched on a couple things that I want to talk about. Um, first, let's let's start with personnel. Yeah, let's start with personnel, dude. So <laughs> take um, me there. So there's just a <laughs> plethora of people that worked on this album with Stevie. 
Um, now the Wikipedia article. I what did I say yesterday? Is like I think it's one hundred thirty. It's one thirty. One hundred thirty people worked on this album. Now I don't know, actually know what that means. I know that there were tons and tons and tons and tons of musicians, different drummers on I different tracks, most of those different guitar were players. Actually, musicians, man. I think I think most so of them too. Were. I'm guessing that that probably includes engineers and sure, tech people. Sure. Anyway, one hundred thirty is a lot of people. Like like yeah. So, but but legitimately, if you look at all the credits for the musicians, you can see them on various websites. It's tons and tons of people. Mm-hmm. Probably the most notable on this album that are like, there's a couple that are just already famous that played with him on a, on a couple songs. One now, the one I'll mention just because he played with Stevie like forever. Nathan Watts is the bass player. Okay, um, bass playing on Stevie Wonder stuff is wild. If you want to, yes. if you're, if you're, so I, I firmly believe if, if, if you're kind of learning bass and you want to get a little deeper and you kind of know how to like navigate the fretboard and you know maybe some root and fifth stuff, you could do some country songs alternating from the root to fifth. Um, R and B stuff and old soul music is some of the best to learn bass because it still hits the root all the time, but it does all this extra stuff that you can usually understand, but it's like it's lots of movement and things. Stevie Wonder bass playing is that to a T. It is, in my opinion, some of the coolest kind of bass playing because you still, it's not getting so weird that you can't hear the chord, but it's there is so much stuff happening in right. between beats, right? So my wife and I, th- there's an event that we help with sometimes where we play a couple cover songs and do a couple things, and uh, it's coming up, and so we're listening to this Stevie Wonder album, and uh, you, you know this, but like I'm, I am that kind of bass black and hit the hit the roots basically and that whatever that's fine uh and i was like all oh, these songs are really cool like maybe it'd be maybe it'd be cool to do one of these for one of these events and then like i was like well i can probably just like sort of whittle it down to playing some real easy like and the more i listen to these songs it's like we can't do these like there's no there's no there's no uh i mean you know if you're really talented i'm sure but there's no like let's just play Sir Duke, but we'll do like twenty five percent. Like let's dumb it down. Like it's not doesn't really work, man. Like I can't like what it's it's funny to hear you say that because it's like yeah I'm maybe that person. It's like I can't do this. Not even close. Right. Not not even close, man. Um, no, but it's 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 incredible bass playing. So that's why I mentioned him. He I think he legitimately. I don't even know if Stevie's still touring at all. But I know that, like in the two thousands and two thousand tens, Nathan Watts was still it was always him. with him. Sweet. Um, so I'll mention him. the uh, The two most notice, uh, most notable artists, Herbie Hancock, plays uh, piano with Stevie on the song "As," okay, which is close to the end, mm-hmm. somewhere somewhere on the 16 second sixteen or fifteen track fifteen or sixteen or something. Uh, Herbie Hancock, wildly famous dude, for sure has albums on this list at some point. I don't know. They're probably not for a long time, but Herbie Hancock is is a wildly amazing piano player, um, like super, super famous just for being a piano player, like that kind yeah, of musician. Yeah. Uh, and my my favorite cameo of the whole album is yeah, it is my main man, my main man George Benson uh-huh. plays guitar and does some background vocals on. I don't actually another know star. It it's the one oh, okay. after as. Okay. It's the one right. They're okay. they're back to back. Now, if so, I love George Benson. If you don't know George Benson, uh, he's probably in my my top one in one of my top three favorite guitar players of all time. 
Um, it's kind of funny because I love that he was featured on this album. There's not really like tons of guitar in the forefront, and you have to kind of, you know, what the, whatever the equivalent of squinting is for your ears, you kind of have to do that <laughs> to hear his parts. But I just love that there was a relationship between them. George Benson's probably most famous album is Breezin. That actually came out the same year. So like both of these guys were at the peak of their success. And they said, hey, let's do this fun thing together for for kids. I saw that or saw at some point. So both of these albums were nominated for album of the year at uh, at the Grammys. So yeah, poor old George just got crushed (laughs) by an album that he like played on. Uh, uh, Sorry, George. Uh, Yeah, but tons of just wildly awesome musicians guitar players drummers again different guitar players for different tracks different drummers for different tracks horn players the whole thing um harp there's there's a song harp yeah what's that what's that song called if it if it's magic if or, it's magic or is it magic uh it's something about magic. if it's magic is the name of that song actually we're, we're talking about like all of these songs that are back to back to back if it's magic as and then another star are like towards the end oh, of okay. yeah if uh, if it's magic is Stevie Wonder's voice and a harp, and the harp the harp playing is wild. Uh, I went into a, a just deep thought of how does somebody get into harp? Where do you buy a harp? <laughs> how do you get so into it that you're doing these kind of complicated chord voicings? You're you're not just playing you know a C chord through. <laughs> Yeah. Uh man, that is a that's some dedication. Uh but it sounds awesome. It sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um usually we talk about what instruments are on the album. That would take Can't, a long 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 yeah. long long time. Can't be done. Uh cuz there's so many layers on every single track. Um uh notable ones uh you pointed out in Sir Duke there's that weird goofy like sliding whistle dude <laughs> is that what it is like the I, thing where you like so. pull it like you yeah. pull it and it's like well, i mean um so that this album is so full like not just uh tracks on tracks on tracks man yeah i mean it, like a lot of tracks but i mean but you know thinking about making a record uh or you know that maybe some of the things that I've, I've been more experienced with in the past it's like ever to me it's like every element you want to evaluated on the songs themselves if stevie was just like sitting at a piano singing these melodies and playing these songs that would be awesome uh the instrumentation like there's so much ear candy stuff like that whistle's pointless i mean it's not like sir duke would still be like the coolest song without it but it's like oh dude it's just this little turnaround from from verse whatever pre-chorus to chorus whatever you want to say it's like let's throw in like a little whistle like there's like nothing was un thought of or like like every element that you could think about is like just it's all it's all there it's like it's all it's like very complete all, for sure all, like some some noticeables for me uh bongos are back again every album we've listened to thus far has bongos on it the Wiro is back i i and i'm aware i'm aware not the same rhythm what is that is it different I didn't think about yeah. the rhythm that much. The, it's like pretty close. The zipper thing goes back and forth now because I think it's on Pastime Paradise. Yes, def- definitely. And it's like right. it does like the zipper thing back and forth instead of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. you. I got you. So there's Good that. Good job, Stevie. Um, all Miro kinds of innovator. All kinds of real uh, creative stuff. One that I didn't know until I watched a um, uh, like an old 
episode of Classic Albums. It was a show that used to be on like MTV or VH1 or oh, something cool. when we were kids. Uh, there is, I think in that same song in Pastime Paradise, at the end of the song, there's a gong. Okay. What they actually did, which again, for us today is really easy, but not so easy for them. They, at the beginning of the song, right before Stevie's voice comes in, they reversed the gong. So it reverses in. Okay. And then it, so it kind of bookends the song. Got it. Right. Which again, to time up a reverse gong on tape is wildly wildly challenging mm, um mm. if if anybody's interested go watch somebody like splicing tape uh it is fascinating uh to to like change a You're tape or something like, like, like to, uh, there's like a physical element yeah you had the, to, you had this, to like th- like on your tape machine you had these little um guidelines to show where you should cut like you would put the tape up and then have your razor blade and cut the tape in a diagonal way and then you'd cut the next one and then you'd have to tape them together like with like the kind of tape we know, like like looks like masking tape kind of stuff. Uh, it is oh it is fascinating, gosh. but to do the kind of stuff that I there a uh, little bonus trivia. There is a reverse gong in the intro track of this song, so if you go back and listen to it, there is one. Uh, I can reverse that thing in seconds, right? And just put it where I want, right? They couldn't do that, so innovation kind of stuff uh, is 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 super wild. So you you touched on another thing, like kind of just now. Um. So much effort put into instrumentation, what, who, who's playing what, and like how are the songs arranged, and when does this part come in? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sir Duke, you talked about that song. Like, you, you can't just play the verse and chorus of that song because it doesn't sound like Sir Duke anymore. You mm-hmm. have to do the, the crazy syncopated thing that they do in the middle of the song. Uh-huh. You have to do that, right? Yeah. So Stevie Wonder, uh, <laughs> mostly. Uh, by his bandmates. It was everything I read and saw and saw interviews with. Uh, it's always talked about in a very loving fashion, but his time schedule, uh, he is so into what he's doing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the hours that people would work were absolutely insane. Now, mm-hmm. you and I are both musicians. We understand. We have a lot of friends, and we have lived the life where you work till 2 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And then, I've seen it, seen people and then that you love like, it, keep see, doing see, it. Like, we know people who actually kind of enjoyed working through the night rather than through the day. Yeah, right, right. So we get it. However, some of the stories that, uh, again, maybe they're just legends, they're just myths now, but yeah, yeah. like Nathan Watts said that they had done a kind of grueling session all day, uh, and he got to his home at 3 a.m. in the morning, and Stevie called and said, hey, man, we're kind of working on uh, this, this other song. You want to come back and just we'll, we'll, we'll do a couple passes of this? So then he drove back to the studio. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like my uh, my favorite one. My favorite one is there's, there's a guy named Gary Bird, who was a co-lyricist on. Um, there's two songs. Two songs. One of them for sure is Village Ghetto Land, which is the third track, and the oh, other yeah. one I think is. I saw this. I saw that. I think it's Black Man. Yeah, is that right? I think so. Is that right? Which is again like middle of the album, sort of. He, uh, do you know this story? No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> this is awesome. You can actually see him talk about it. He was tasked with writing lyrics for Village Ghetto Land, which is a very socially conscious song, uh, and very, um, very you, like you, you feel a lot listening to the yeah. just the words of this song. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's tasked with writing this song, right? And Stevie had called him up and said, "Hey, here's this song that I'm working on. Can you maybe write some verses for me? Cool." 
the, the uh, Gary Bird is his name. He wrote these lyrics over the course of like two or three months. Oh, okay. And he had come up with it and he said, oh, this is awesome. I'm so happy with it. And it took me so long to get here. Cool. Sends him off to Stevie that, that, that next week. Stevie calls and says, hey, man, we're recording this song. Hey, I forgot to tell you, uh, I added another verse to the, to the arrangement. So if you, could, if you could write a verse real fast and maybe call me back in 10 minutes and we'll, we'll go track it. <laughs> so they're literally tracking this song, right? And he needs another verse and calls this dude and says, hey, I'll give you about 10 minutes if you can write something. <laughs> Uh, so he sat down, came up with something and they, they threw it into the song, but wow, that kind of like, I did not know that, that kind of, that, that sense of, we're just going to work in the creative zone until, until we reach that climax of yeah. where we've, we've yeah. hit it. We have to stop now. Uh, that's kind of a notorious thing for Stevie wonder yeah. people, his bandmates would call it wonder time, meaning, uh, meaning, meaning you're on wonder time. So got it. day and night mean nothing Uh you're just you're just working until stevie says we're done Uh uh (laughs) uh-huh wonder time (laughs) so Uh, even the the you know the like you said uh, we've done some things before where like the time sort of melts away a little bit but uh even that stuff it's like there's breaks like you would hang out you you would like from what i understand is that a lot of times when stevie would do it it was it was like no food for for him at least like no there was like no breaks like he was locked in was he like, said like, like he said there's a, he has a quote about it I can't remember the exact thing but he said that when he's in the creative zone he doesn't want to stop until he knows like that that state of mind is gone yeah yeah like to him it's a waste y- yeah you know yeah. what I mean which I that's that's a great way of thinking about it uh, and also the one thing I would point out is most of the studios that you and I've been to including the the studio that we're in right now, mostly windows are blocked off or it has no windows mm-hmm. uh, because you can't hear sound from the outside coming mm-hmm. in. Right. So you're in this weird time warp. Yeah, absolutely. Of you can't actually tell if it's day or night because you can't see outside. So man, the idea of working with Stevie till four in the morning and being thinking, oh, what time is it? I don't know. You don't really, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't really know. It's like the, it's like the casino thing. If you've ever been like a big casino or the, it's like, you know, there's no, yeah. Time just goes away, man. Just goes away. Wonder time. I like it. Okay. Wonder time. Did not know that. Did not know that. Uh, Steveland. So (laughs) as far as we'll just touch here, I'm just going through my notes here. We'll just touch on, on lyrics. This lyrics on this one are just across the board. And I think it, I think that was the idea. That was the vibe was. Mm -hmm. Songs in the key of life covering all areas of life. Yeah. Childhood, parenthood, romance, uh, social issues. The so, yeah, the social stuff. Like the, the, just all kinds of stuff. Bro, there's one the uh, like you know, like Saturn is this weird uh mm-hmm. weird like sto- you know, it's like a sto- like a story, <laughs> like a Saturn is pretty weird somewhat in general, but like it's like a concept song in mm-hmm. you know I mean, like so, like all lyrical styles that you want uh yeah, it's it's it is it's it was kind of cool that we did Marvin Gaye first. Yeah. Because I can see the connection because that we mentioned in that episode that Stevie Wonder was very inspired by that. I can see the direct connection yeah. between those two. Like the the first song on this uh Songs in the Key of Life is um I'm I'm boiling it down here, but the idea of loving other people. Um the like there's it's 
the chorus is awesome to me. It's this. It sounds almost like an like a <laughs> an advertisement. the The song is called "Love Is in Need of Love," mm-hmm. and it it like does this tagline where it's basically like "Send yours in today." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what I mean? mm-hmm. it's almost like "Call now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says something in the beginning about like being like an announcer or like like yeah. A, so it's almost like this commercial yes. is like coming on or something like, "Hey, it's Steve Wonder here." Uh, like, yeah, the be- the very beginning is "Good morning, evening, friends." It, yeah, it's right. like it's like cause, yeah, it's something like yeah. yeah, it's like this little Stevie commercial. Uh, uh, really good stuff. This <laughs> this is the classic example of the kind of album where I'm gonna listen to the lyrics last (laughs) sure i'm gonna listen to them absolutely last uh because i um the groove is so strong now that being said i love stevie wonder's voice there are certain people that just the way they sing it doesn't Mm -hmm. even have to do Mm -hmm. with how you know the wild lines they're doing or just the tone of their voice gets me and Mm -hmm. stevie wonder for sure is one of those people that the tone of his voice and the way he sings is just amazing to me so i love that but the actual meaning of the lyrics was all like for Stevie stuff is always <laughs> second to me. They're awesome, but it's always I'm so focused in on the groove and the melodies and stuff that those kind of always come second. But they are really solid. I think that Stevie does a cool thing, to, at least just to me. The lyrics are um, kind of doing this cool, uh, like they're pop lyrics. It's not like you have to like. Uh, make a glass of tea and like sit down and focus <laughs> on like uh every word he's saying to understand what the song is about uh but they're not just like this this uh like they're not all just like this shallow like what like there are meanings behind like there's oh, very legitimate sure. uh you know, like concepts and meanings and some depth to think about and that's always really interesting to me i guess like it's not a you don't have to be like racking your brain to be like what is stevie saying like Oh, yeah, what is, yeah, isn't for she sure. lovely about? Like, you don't, you know, it's kind of right there, but it's not shallow. Like, it's still, and that's really, that takes a lot of work. That's cool. I, I like that. That's cool. Absolutely. So, when you listen to this album and you listen to I Wish and Pastime Paradise, is your, does your brain first go to Stevie Wonder songs or does your brain go to Wild Wild West by Will Smith and Gangster's Paradise? By Coolio. Is this a question for me? Yes. Uh, unfortunately, the latter. Um, <laughs> I'm very aware and was aware before I listened to this record. Uh, like I knew which song came first. Uh, uh, like it wasn't like, oh, I hope so. uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, uh, was very aware that they were Stevie songs. But like the thing that's in my mind, sort of more, I think, with with coolio sort of more with gangster's paradise just that like whatever that opening like sound is like i always am ready for someone to start rapping like 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 Mm -hmm. that's just what is in that's what's in my head i guess Mm -hmm, Uh, for sure uh so unfortunately yes that's where wild wild west is sort of less (laughs) to me uh it's more the the like more like I get to the chorus and I have to like really concentrate on what Stevie Wonder is saying because right. I like hear the Will Smith lyrics. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I told my wife this week that he's Will Smith. I mean, he's got some cool songs. I guess Coolio <laughs> has a song that I know. I'm sure that they're fine people, but I kind of wish that I didn't know those songs first. Sure, 
because it it still to this day is very hard for me to listen to those and my brain not pretty immediately go to Wild Wild West yeah. and Gangster Paradise. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you don't know, those are two songs that would have come out like when Ben and I Nin- were kids. 90s or um, whatever or something. And they sample. this. Not only, So it's weird because not only do both of those songs sample the original track, but they also use the same melodies mm-hmm. as the choruses. So... It's it, kind of just this like remix alt yeah. sort of like like it's not the same song, but it but it right. kind of just right. is. So a song that stuck out to me this time that hadn't before. Not that I didn't like it before, but I just kept listening to. I again, this album's really long, so sometimes I would just pick a song in the middle and start there. Mm-hmm. Was uh, "Summer Soft." Oh, okay, "Summer Soft." I was really into that song this time. Uh uh, I think I think the groove is awesome. I think his melodies are really cool. I think the chord progression is really really sweet. Um, that is a straight up master class in key changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so the the song I would compare it to, but in in my opinion, musically, I'm not saying the song is less cool, but musically, the is is less cool. Is uh, my wife always jokes about this? There's a Beyonce song. Uh, where at the end, every time she does the chorus, it goes a half step higher. Got it. Put my love on time. And then it goes. Right. And it just like the, the last four choruses, they just keep going up every time. Got it. Uh, and which is super impressive. But that one does a thing where it literally at the end, you can just hear it go up. Mm-hmm. On Summer mm-hmm. Soft, he does the same thing. So the last four choruses each time goes up. Um, however, it's very tricky how he does it. He has this line that keeps happening at the end of each chorus. Actually, it's at the end of each verse and each chorus. And it's kind of weird to begin with, the progression that he's doing. And instead of switching the key on beat one of the next chorus... It actually switches right before then, so you're not super prepared for it. Or I guess actually it's the opposite. Your brain is kind of more prepared for that change. You hear the chord of the change. Yeah, the chord of the new key first. Uh, Yeah, right before beat one. Before the vocals of the new key is that the. Yeah, so because it's kind of a strange progression, and the last chord is actually the key change, you're kind of less caught off guard by the key change. So it's almost you weirdly almost don't know what happened. It almost is like, oh, is he singing a harmony now? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. But for sure, every time, just goes up a half step. Yeah. Uh, and Stevie Wonder's voice is wildly high. Uh, it's it's yeah. it's deceptively high. Uh, on this album, uh, the original key of Isn't She Lovely is real high. My voice is kind of high. I will not sing Isn't She Lovely in E. That is, that is insane. Can't do it. Can't do it. So yeah. he actually probably starts Summer Soft for him in like a pretty low key. Is that is it well, like, like... I don't know what's low for... His voice is wild. I don't know what's low for him. But uh, so what's even more interesting is if you, you... Maybe you noticed this. Maybe you didn't. The first chorus is in a different key than the second chorus. No. Yeah. Or, sorry. Did not, no, did not notice that. Yeah. Uh, so is it every chorus? Every chorus song, is right? in a like, different like, key. Like yes. Stevie. <laughs> yeah. 
but <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. If you want to hear, we talked a little bit about key changes and and that kind of stuff in the pet sounds episode. But if you want to hear some wow. wild key changes where it's effortless, how he's making those sounds be so normal. Man, that's that's a that's an amazing wow. one. Anything I'm missing here? Uh, like. Uh, yeah, we could probably talk about this album for the next Musically, couple days. All of it. Um, the the only thing that this occurred to me, um, maybe we're maybe we're there, but but the like literally the first five tracks on the first, you know, one through five. It, it think it just shows you the like showed me like the dude Stevie is just like a genius. This dude is a genius, like. Even like the genre or like style, like all of the first five tracks to me are like pretty different, like pretty like ridiculously different. Uh, and it's like this dude, it just to, to, to maybe that's more of a Stevie Wonder thing because like I said, I'm at that too, like less familiar with his other works. But it's like, dude, this dude opened this album with five songs that could be hits Absolutely. On five different records in like different genres, like different, like paint, like t- totally different, like areas of music. And Stevie is making awesome songs in, he's like, I like all those. I'll do like all of them. Like, like, right. And it just is sort of mind boggling to me too. We, we said with, uh, man, I don't even remember the quote, but it's like with one of the reasons pet sounds was such a big deal to people was like the, it was an album with like no filler. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't just yeah, like no filler a tracks. couple singles and then like rando tracks. It's like, dude, Stevie to me, it's like one step further. It's like, there's not like no filler. It's like hits after it, hits, uh, uh, like hits, but like not again. It's like, this could have been like a fusion record. This could have been like dude contusion. Like we pop- didn't talk about contusion. That like <laughs> that track. It's is like insane. a it's yeah. It's like a math rock track, <laughs> kind of like like oh man. Like dude, Stevie don't care. It sounds awesome. Like like contusion. He, he, I think is like the fourth track, and it sounds like do 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 do. It sounds like a um uh, most guitar right Steely Dan track or like Chick Corea or like like these old fusion artists there is no it's an instrumental track yeah, so it's right. just just wild like all that is just like dude this dude to me it's like Stevie is just like flexing like like this dude does not even care like like flex it, on him Stevie he is like, Stevie dude like first song is like a commercial second song is like uh kind of kind of this funky song the third song is literally just like a couple inch like a ballad like a political or whatever like a socially conscious pretty instrumentally stripped down ballad uh very lyrical fourth song is like math rock and the fifth song is sir duke uh <laughs> like it just is mind-boggling to me man yeah. uh most people you know myself and whatever it's like if you could write a record in your whole life that had a song that was like one of those five, you'd be like this, like I did it. You're like, my life's work is achieved. Yeah. 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 This dude just like, it's like, let's open with these. There's 18 more (laughs) or or whatever. Like so crazy. If you are, if you're hesitant (laughs) to commit to the hour and 45 minutes that it is, I would suggest listening to the first 11 tracks that would end with, isn't she lovely? Yeah. But those, I mean, that's that's hit after hit after hit, and you get a, a vibe of the album. Yeah. But um, sweet. Well, let's switch gears here to uh, musical things. Um, so I'm I'm kind of set up weird. I know you can't see us, but my back is towards Ben now yeah, uh, dude, because I'm at the computer yeah. and I have uh, some keyboard things set up here. So 
Stevie Wonder, known for piano playing. I am not a piano player. Uh, I didn't. So it, part of the hard thing about these wildly famous albums is that there is so much information online on YouTube and um, articles and stuff about the music behind this that you could probably find tutorials on how to play every single one of these songs across the board. Stevie mm -hmm. Wonder yeah, is a wild, yeah. wild inspiration to a lot of musicians from all different walks of life. So uh, I didn't really want to do that. I thought maybe it would be helpful, though, because Stevie Wonder plays a lot of kinds of keyboards. So it's not just piano. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's lots of sounds that you'll hear him do. And if you're, you know, primarily a guitar guy like me, it took me years to understand, oh, what's that sound? Or what's th what's this one sound like? Or what is that thing called? Uh, I thought I would just do a quick little demonstration of some of the stuff that you'll hear on this album so that maybe isolated you can kind of hear the difference so that you could tell certain parts apart from one another. Um so we'll we'll give it a try here. Uh, I'll do my best uh, fake piano player rendition, uh, trying to play some stuff for you. Um, so let's start. Now this actually we're gonna actually start with one that's maybe not the most Stevie centric thing. Uh, we're gonna start with a Wurlitzer. Uh, so the first two we're gonna do here is a Wurlitzer and then a Rhodes. So both of these are electric pianos. Uh, that you would plug in, usually to an amp or something like that. Um, so let's see if I got some sound here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so the Wurlitzer, uh, obviously, like I said, it plugs into an amp, but it has this like super smooth sound to it, right? So if I kind of, let's see if I can... So there's a little bit of like vibrato that you can hear in there that kind of makes the waveform like go up and down a little bit. So that little back and forth kind of thing, right? So that kind of stuff, right? Sounds sweet. <laughs> the Wurlitzer... Uh, I love Wurlitzer. It's, uh, again, like I said, it sounds super smooth. One of the things that's going to differentiate it, we're going to hear in a second, is a Wurlitzer uses reeds to make the sound. Whoa. Which is like when we think of reeds, we think of uh, uh, big band instruments and um, um, what's... Say like a clarinet. Yeah, like I mean, a clarinet. Like it, I was, it, I, I was like, that, I had a brain fart that there. Or, uh, uh, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we would have that kind of sound. And then there's one pickup for the whole keyboard. Oh. There's that you have one so it's literally hearing uh uh like it all, it's like a guitar. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um so that's what that sounds like again if I just kind of like play the beginning of that song. Right? So that's that's the world. So let's switch to a Rhodes so we can hear the difference. So if I try to do that same thing, let's see if I got some sound in. Oh, sweet. Right? So this Rhodes, the Fender Rhodes, that's what it's named after, is a, a model of an electric piano made by Fender, uh, is the Stevie, he played Rhodes all the time. Got it. Had several Rhodes pianos. Was um, this the, uh, you more? this is more like a gear question, but the Fender didn't, was it the only electric piano Fender made, I guess? Like I this believe was so. like the, their take on like, like yeah, it wasn't it's, like it's multiple for sure. versions. It was when like you their think take. of when you think of 
electric pianos. The fender thing is the Rhodes. But like it's it's like uh, I mean it's it's like Kleenex, right? It's a it's a brand. It's the name of a product, but people call electric pianos Rhodes yeah, from time yeah. to time. It's not as it common might as Kleenex, be a Wurlitzer but or, or yeah, uh, it's it, it becomes synonymous with that yeah. sound. So one of yeah. the things that I notice when I hear that stuff, so. There's kind of like a a bell sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when like I hit the metal-y, key real hard. Like a metal kind of... Right? Which actually makes sense because a Rhodes uses tines, T-I-N-E-S, which are like, think of like a little, like a little tuning fork. Oh, yeah, right? okay. That okay. kind of idea. Okay, yeah. And then one of the biggest things that makes it sound so different from Wurlitzer is that accompanied with there is actually a pickup for each individual oh. note on on your keyboard, right? Interesting, okay. Um, so you have this kind of like um, individual control for everything. Um, very, hmm. very different sounds. If I just real quick, I won't take too long here because we got other ones to go through, but if I play that, that's the Rhodes. I'm going to do the same chord here, but I'm going to go back to the Wurlitzer. That's the Wurlitzer. Mm. Again, very smooth, very cool sounding Rhodes. Slightly different. I tried to make these settings here with like no reverb or anything, so you can kind of hear the raw signal. Uh, all right, let's do some some of another Stevie signature, which is the clavinet. Um, so clavinet would probably be most famous for a song not on this record. Uh, Superstition is on Talking Book. Uh, and Stevie was really into trying to find some piano sounds that sounded like a guitar. Uh, so the clavinet was a very logical, uh, choice. You'll hear it in a second here, but it sounds a ton like electric guitar. It has, uh, steel strings inside and there's like basically a, a method that does a thing that it's almost like fretting a guitar when you hit a key. It's, it's that idea. Oh. So because of that, it sounds a ton like a like an electric guitar. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, uh, I'm not using any sustain pedal for this because it's like uh, a different kind of vibe here. I'm, I'm not looking for long held out chords. But, you know, I would think of like even a different playing style for this if I did like, uh, let me think here. Right, that idea can like uh, hear the strings, like yeah, you said, like you can like sort of envision. One of the kind of cool things. That. Let me see if I can do this. You get you can get these really low notes that a piano would do, but a guitar can't. So like that guy right there. So if I play, yeah, I can actually play the same same thing an octave lower would be. Uh, <laughs> so that idea, tone. right? Like I can't do that on a regular guitar right. because it's too low. Uh, this would usually be accompanied with some kind of like. Wah, uh, which makes the sound a lot different. So, oh yeah, so you yeah. kind of hear that thing. Like that kind of idea, right? Uh, clavinet, super cool, very very specific sound. Does not, I mean, you can. I don't even have to compare the other two. <laughs> do not See, sound like that. It's like immediately at all. identifiable, right? 
Okay, so let's switch gears then. Two more to talk about. Uh, a regular synth that, that's based on an oscillator. Uh, that, that term is really complicated and can get really weird. Basically, think about it as an oscillator plays a frequency, right? If you want to, there's, there's multiple types that do that. It uses voltage. It's kind of complicated, like I said, but it plays a frequency, and then you're going to map the frequencies to different notes across your keyboard, right? So I have uh, a little Korg mini log. This is the same uh, synth I use in the studio a lot, and I use it for, we're, we're going to get to the big question here in just a second. That whole track is used, is made just by this instrument. Uh, so I have a synth sound here that is like the most basic uh basic sound that you can have right it's one it's one wave and it's one a single oscillator and if i play a chord sorry about that that's a c chord right there right so we have uh, a much 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 different sound again there's no effects on there what will happen is you'll mix it with maybe like this this keyboard has a second oscillator that i can mix in so i'm kind of reaching over here starts to sound quite a bit different, right? Uh, you can do extra things like uh, at the attack and release of the note. Starts to sound different again, right? Maybe I turn the cutoff down, add some noise, and all of a sudden you have a much different sound based on what you're going for, for right? For us to know, like, you're li you're yeah. all of what you did was literally the same chord. Like, you're not playing any different keys. Nope. You're not playing I'm any... Just, I'm uh, just turning the knobs on this on this synth. Just turn some of the most basic knobs so you can get a vibe, right? Uh, so right before Ben walked in this morning, I was listening to Pastime Paradise, and those strings, I'm 90% sure, are that uh, Yamaha GX1 or whatever. Uh, but uh, what... Kind of sounds like this. There's a little too much delay on there, but... Kind of like almost sounds like a string, right? So part of the thing is with the synthesizer, we can kind of sort of the the name itself kind of lends it to you're you're synthesizing an instrument. You're making a fake instrument, so you're trying to make the synthesizer sound like something else. So for example, I have like a one. This is kind of funny. I didn't plan this, but there is one that kind of sounds that I made uh, a while ago. That kind of sounds sort of like a electric piano. Yeah. Right. Um, so that that kind of sounds like that thing, but then there you could do other ones that are like more string heavy. Like that kind of thing, right? Um, right. So that's that's a traditional analog synthesizer that uses oscillators to make the sound. Last one. Last one. Here we go. So this is a sample-based synthesizer. Uh, so modern synthesizers will record sounds and then play them through the keys so it sounds more like a real, real-deal instrument. So uh, my favorite probably instrument like this of all time is the Mellotron. So the Mellotron yes, will hear on other albums as well. Yes, sir. The Mellotron was like the original sampler. Uh, has a limited range of keys, uh, but when you play, I think I, yeah, I have some strings here. Right? You can actually kind of hear there's some vibrato to it naturally because it would have been some kind of sample put through the keyboard, played on tape, 
and then each key does that. Like what you're hearing, or the, the is some kind of recording. Now, starting. was it an actual like perfect violin? I don't know, but it's a re- it's a sample. So it's being it's a recording that was played for that one note, and then when you press a key, it plays that note. In the the difference of like the the keys instruments you've said before uh, here before, it, it, the 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 this kind of a synthesizer isn't like making any sound really right like there's it's just like playing back a recording basically yeah. like there's mm-hmm. no physical thing making yes. a sound right so if i go back to like the the analog synth like that kind of sound then again if you listen to like beginning of pastime paradise it kind of has that real high kind of thing going on if i play a string on here uh same octave Right, like that idea, uh, you can you can tell it's like a recording. It's it has its own kind of frequency, its yeah. own kind of like character to it that can't really be achieved through synthesizing, through trying to emulate that sound through an oscillator. Uh, yeah, so those are those are like big ones that you would hear still on today on records that come out today. Um, but I I thought it would be helpful because for me at least it took a long time to distinguish between these sounds and know what I'm actually hearing. Biggest one for me was always Wurlitzer versus Rhodes. Yeah, I don't know. Because they sound ever... so similar. Yeah, right. And I actually found way too late the sound that I always liked was Wurlitzer, but I always associated it with the Rhodes because like that's ah. what I saw, you know, people like Stevie Wonder playing. Right. And I love I love both of those sounds, but Wurlitzer has that smooth thing right. and Rhodes has a little bit more of the chimey thing that right, happens. Right, so right. Uh, yeah, so hopefully that's helpful. Again, you can look up stuff on those kinds of keyboards for days and days and days, but maybe hearing the little individual versions of the sounds was was a little bit more helpful to kind of pick those apart. Great. So, uh, sweet. Well, let's get on to the big question. Put those pianos away. It's time for a big question. <laughs> All right. Big question for today. So we talked earlier about Stevie Wonder using just multitudes, the multitudes of, of musicians. That's a lot of people. On his albums, right? He obviously loved that. He obviously loved working with other people. Do you know we're on this record, but like, is that kind of a common Stevie Wonder, like just across his that discography? Is a, that is a like great a, question. I actually he, don't know. Okay. Yeah. I'll, Usually, I'll maybe yeah. do some yeah, research. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stevie Wonder for sure has at least two other albums on this list, if not three or four. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll get um, there. So he had you know this plethora of of musicians, and in today's world, you know, I just created all those sounds myself instantly mm-hmm. uh, using you know, a computer to make that kind of sound, and we see more and more artists doing their own thing by themselves, doing the whole record, right? So. Uh, an artist that actually is on this list, but it's not for a long, long, long time, is Tame Impala. Tame Impala oh, okay. like, was known as a band, and then now it's just that guy. It's just Kevin... I believe Parker. Parker, yeah, yeah. Uh, he does it. Like, if you've heard a Tame Impala track, literally he does everything, right? It's, it's right. The, uh, so, like, when you go to Spotify now, it's just a picture of him. It's just him. Um, so there's more and more stuff like that where people can kind of do things by themselves. Mm-hmm. 
both of those things are cool. The the ability to for me to sit down in the studio and say, I'm gonna make a song right now all by myself. That's cool. The ability to work with other people is also very cool. Uh, so my question for the big question uh, of this week is, um, how important is collaboration in music? And like, if you want to touch on if it's more important today or less important today, that one I'm less concerned with. But how like how important is collaboration in music in general across the the decades? Sure. This one, well, they're all, I guess, tough. Or it's the the point of this is it's you know it's more philosophical than sort of musical. But uh, I think that that I think it's important. Let me, I guess, let me say that I th- I think it's important um, because it, it mostly, I guess, in a way, drawn from my own experience, but also the things that you see. Uh, I feel like the 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 popular albums or or the things that you like the most the 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 records that get the most acclaim it seems like it always holds up to me this concept meaning when you like basically the concept of sort of like peer reviewing right so if you are stevie wonder or whatever and you say i have this really awesome song and then you take it to nathan watts and you say nathan like what should the bass do or does the piano work or it just seems like a pretty tried and true principle to me, I guess, that it's like that process of somebody creates something. You know, you have an original, uh, you have an original uh, idea. Mm-hmm. Like you take it to somebody else. That sort of refining situation, right? Uh, it, it almost always seems like something comes out better when you have done that. That I guess an, an opinion, but. It seems like that's a pretty fundamental part of of almost everybody's creative process, not just musically, but but otherwise. Um, but the one thing that I'm sort of thinking about, I, I don't want to necessarily walk that back right away. But okay, so we we said this on on songs in the key of life. There is an incredible number of people that would have contributed. But the thing that that is really important to me, or or that is cool, is like each one of those tracks still feels like a Stevie Wonder track to me. And so I do think the collaboration is really important, but I think that if you are like the artist, it's like these are Stevie Wonder songs. I think you have to go in, you kind of have to do two things. And it's like you have to go into it with an open mind to like the people that you trust to speak into, like, like, like the people you trust to give you criticism about your art. It's like you have to be open to what they say. But I think uh, like like the the real visionaries or you know the kind of people we're talking about with these records they still sort of they sort of sort of have this final vision of like i think it should turn out a certain way even like you have to be able to like take the good i guess and still know what you're shooting for like when you told me the amount of people that played on this record it's kind of insane to me that they all still feel like stevie wonder songs like like you know right it's really hard to, no matter who you are listening or whatever you do, it's like if you get 130 people involved in something, it's usually kind of hard to, to, to make it, like to keep a cohesive thing going on. Like that's tough. So I think as if you're a songwriter out there or you're, or you're the one who, like you're producing this song or whatever, I would, I think the collaboration is really creatively important. Uh, but I think there has to be someone who kind of like is that creative center in a way like, like like obviously that's Stevie Wonder in these in these songs but 
the, I don't for know sure. how to, you maybe balance those two, I guess for is sure. what I'm saying that you maybe got to balance it. So, yeah. Um, no, those are great thoughts. I think what sticks out to me thinking about collaboration, the, my favorite musicians to work with ever are ones that want to work on a thing. Like they want help. They like, Again, that doesn't mean that they're just pushovers and everything that you say immediately goes into their vision, but they want to work with other people. I think a trait that comes with that is a little bit of humility, and that is such a good trait for musicians to have, to have the ability to say, my voice is not everything. My Mm -hmm. my voice on guitar and on piano and on drums is not the end all, right? Um, On the, the intro track, like on all these intro tracks so far, I'm playing drums not really a drummer, right? I totally understand that there are there are things I can do on drums that I feel pretty confident about. But the way you play drums, Ben, the way other people would play drums, it has a different voice to it that can add to a song. And I think that's what Stevie Wonder sees so clearly is, could he play all of these instruments? Heck yeah, uh, he could. Um, yeah, like for sure. Absolutely he <laughs> could. I don't actually know if he plays guitar, but he could figure it out. Or you could just play clav and it would just sound like a guitar. You know? <laughs> yeah, I bet he'd be fine. Uh... So that that kind of stuff, um, I think he realizes, you know, when he hires a different drummer to play on this song, he understands, oh man, this guy is going to crush this song because it fits his voice so uniquely and perfectly. And I think having the mindset to do that I'm being honest, it takes a long time in, in a musician's journey to get there, at least for most people I know. Because you go through this phase of either one of two routes. Either, let's be real, a lot of musicians, I was this way for sure, get a little bit uh, egotistical and it's it's very, oh. what's well, it's my way. Yeah, I'm, I'm the best at this, so I'm going to do it. Or maybe it's a little bit more of you just have such a strong vision that you're afraid of giving it up to somebody else. Yeah. Right? I think that's a really tough thing for, for a lot of folks. And sometimes honestly, it's but... both. Sometimes it's a little bit of one and a little bit of the other. And then they work together and you don't want to relinquish control. But I think the coolest part of music is that when when somebody gets good enough at their instrument, they have a very particular voice in the way that they play that yeah, instrument. Yeah, right. We're not just talking vocals when I say voice. I'm saying the way, man, recording, running the studio and stuff has shown me so much of when, when I have four different guitar players play a somewhat similar part mm-hmm. on the same guitar with the same mic, sounds different. Right. Right. The way that a person plays impacts what the song sounds like, right? So uh, sometimes there's just certain people that they do a thing so well naturally that, yeah, Stevie Wonder could do that himself. But why would you do that? Like, if yeah. you have access to these people who do this this thing just amazingly well, well, dude, I'm going to sit back and let them play it, right? Yeah. I love playing guitar. I take pride in playing guitar. If I had somebody who could play a part that I know I could play, but they could play it in a way that's just cooler to me, let's do that. Yeah. Let's yeah. get let's get them in here and have them rip a song and have it be awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh I like I I, I think it's the balance of having enough humility to say that you are not the end all, but also having pride in your instrument that you want to be able to play that stuff. Does that make sense? Like you want to have a drive to learn all that stuff. One of the things that I think is so awesome about modern music is that, in my opinion, we have more people learning all of the instruments yeah, rather yeah. rather than just one, 
and being yeah. really good at that. We have more people like Kevin Parker. That's his last name, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We have more people like that who say, I'm going to play drums and keys and bass and guitar, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to do all these myself because I can. Because I can get a MacBook and just start tracking all this stuff right away. I don't think you had as much of that before because it wasn't so readily available. So I think that's a really cool thing. Um, but I do think that uh, like kind of like the fluctuation there, because there was less of that, you had more collaboration right. in prior decades where people wanted to work together a little bit more. So I don't think either one is good or bad. Like yeah. it's better. One, I don't think one is better than the other. They're yeah, that's different. maybe the caveat is like like uh, Tame Impala, and there are many many artists that just kind of do it all. Uh, they're great. It's not you know, there's no real criticism of that. But anyways, I, I I think just personally, it's like the collaboration, even in playing music, has always been one of the that's one of the most rewarding parts to me. Um, maybe it's really rewarding to do a whole record yourself and say, Hey man, this is a different kind of satisfying. I did all this. I don't, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's both, both, both ways, but I think for me, when I started to think about it more as art and that idea of what a painting is, um, you, you created a thing that uniquely happened this way. Right. Mm-hmm. When I, when I started to think about songs that way in, in, in the way of, oh, I wrote this song and this person played this and this person played this and this person played this, because of those pieces working together to make this song and write these parts, it came out this unique mm-hmm. way. And that is special. You know what I mean? Like that's a really a cool thing that only happened because it was like this. Right. If I had played everything, it would have happened this other way. Each person's... And that might have been cool too, but this specific one happened this exact way because these people were involved. Each person's sort of little musical like signature is kind of all exactly. this, like that, the, the way that you played. Or, exactly. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Uh, this album's great. You should listen to it. Please listen Track to it. Track recommendations real fast. So my quick... So like the hits are... The hits, please, they're, they're crazy. Those songs are awesome. Uh, Sir Duke, Pastime Paradise. Uh, uh, Isn't She Lovely? So cool. Um, tracks that I, I tried to pick a couple that I liked that were not those. Um, I really think that uh, As and Another Star, we talked about those a mm-hmm. little bit. I think As was one of the singles from mm-hmm. this record. So it's, that's not some kind of weird, a weird, like, it's kind of a weird single. It's not some sort of like unknown song. It was a little yeah. sig- single, but I liked as another star and knocks me off my feet. There's kind of an end part of knocks me off my feet. It just is so, Oh, let's slow. It just, it's just really groovy, man. It just feels awesome. Uh, so check those out. I, I dug them. So I'm going to go the opposite direction and just pick the <laughs> uh, iconic songs here. But uh, I think if you're only going to listen to two songs, I would listen to Isn't She Lovely, and I would listen to I Wish. Uh, Sir Duke oh, is in I, its, I agree. I mean, Sir, like, Sir Duke so is in its own realm of of um, being iconic, uh, but the uh, the groove in I Wish and just the the overall feel of Isn't She Lovely. Um, those two songs are amazing. I Wish too. is probably my actual favorite track. Like I yeah. like listening to that one the best. It's so cool. Uh, yeah, this album's awesome. You should check it out. Uh, don't be intimidated by the fact that it's an hour and 45 minutes. Listen to it, to it. it once. Yeah, we, we did it all we week it long. It cool. was awesome. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, next time, I believe it's time for Abbey Road. Oh. Uh, I think it's time for okay. Abbey Road. So 
Uh, we're going to do the Beatles Abbey Road. First vinyl that I ever purchased was Abbey Road. Nice. Um, I honestly, I will listen to this a bunch this week, but I've listened to this record so many times. <laughs> I'm probably not going to listen to it as much as I have these other ones because I'm pretty familiar with this one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll check out Abbey Road next time. Again, as always, you can check it out now or you can wait for us to talk about it and then go listen to it. Either way, that's what we're doing next time. So thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next week. Adios. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this podcast, guys. We really appreciate it. We're having a lot of fun doing this. Uh, If you have any thoughts or comments or concerns or questions about what we talked about, you're welcome to drop me a line. Uh, You can go to the studio's website at redbirdrecordings.com. If you have any comments or questions that would be relevant to OTW Music, same thing. Please visit us at our website, otwmusic.com. And thanks for listening to Greatness with us.